word of the Lord to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We're going to read from verses 34 through 38. So John chapter 4, verse 34 through 38. I want to talk a couple of minutes about stepping up to the plate. So it's very apropos that the young ladies uh, came and shared that there's no time to play and it's, this is serious business. And I said, whoa, I agree. I concur. <laughs> Wholeheartedly, that is. So John chapter 4, verse 34 through 38. Jesus said, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? Well, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields, for they're ripe for harvest. And I'm going to add, they're ripe for harvest now. Because that was the connotation there. Even now, the reaper draws his wages. Even now, he harvests the crop for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Notice this is the sower and the reaper are glad together. So everybody in the team gets to rejoice in this. Everybody on the team gets the benefits Amen. of what God is doing and the blessing of God. And it says... Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I have sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, dear Holy Father, that you would even now open up the eyes of our understanding, Lord, because we understand that your, your, the Scriptures is your will, your spoken will, your written will. So we thank you that your will is contained in your word. Your word and you are one. So, Father, as we read your word and, and, and we hear it in our hearts, we understand this is your will. So, Father, thank you for opening up the eyes of our understanding today, individually, as families, and as a church family. Father, we praise you for it. Dear Holy Spirit, you are the teacher, and we trust you with all of our hearts. So teach us today. Open up the eyes of our understanding that we might be able to see what you are doing today, what you're saying today, my God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Hallelujah. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God had blessed Adam and Eve. And it's interesting. He says, I bless you, be fruitful, be multiplied, or be multiplied, or multiply. And interesting, they had no children yet. But yet he blessed them. So officially, they were blessed, but they had no children yet. So we have to understand that when God says, I bless you, when a word goes forth and he says, here, you're going to have this. I'm going to do this in you. I'm going to do this through you. He's blessing you. And blessing means empowering a, a person to accomplish what he calls one to do. Yeah. So as a church, we have a word that God has spoken to us throughout the years. I mean, prophet after prophet has come to this house and he has spoken to us about a strong ministry, a discipling ministry, a ministry that would touch the world, a ministry that would bring forth uh, other ministries. And we have. Right now we have several daughter churches even here in the city. We have ministers that have come out of this place that are, that are doing successful ministry in other parts of the United States and in different parts of the world. And that is such a privilege because we know it's not us in the natural. This is God's grace upon us. It's a gracing. There's a favor that's upon each individual, but there's also a favor that comes upon each tribe. Local churches are like tribes. They have a unique anointing, a unique way of be being. There's a culture, a mini culture in there. So we also uh, have that. We have a culture. We have, uh, we're like a tribe, so to speak. 
And uh, God's blessing is upon this house. And whoever God calls to niche in this place uh, also has a similar anointing and also can take that word for themselves. So every one of you that are here, that, are, that have become part of this house, understand that this belongs to the Lord. He, he, is, he is the Lord of the body. Yes, yes, sir. It's the body of Christ. It's not our body. It's Christ's body. So the, the lifeblood of Christ flows through us as churches, but also as individuals. So I appreciate the word of the Lord because Jesus is saying, you people say in four months you're going to see a harvest. And that is true. In the natural, if we're somewhere in, let's say, uh, January, February, we could start sowing certain seeds. I think it's, if it's tulips, you, you sow the bulb earlier. So you get the, the first harvest, you start seeing the early plants. But those that know about you know, being a farmer, knowing about horticulture, about gardening, they understand that there's time to sow seeds, and then in three to four months, or six to eight weeks, or depending on what you sow for, maybe a year, you get a harvest. And Jesus understands that because he's the creator of harvest. Amen. He's the creator of the seed. So he knows that the seed needs a gestation time uh, from it, the time that it is sown to the time that it comes out and bears the fruit. So he was saying, you're saying that in four months there's a harvest, but I'm telling you right now there's a harvest. And in his heart, he was talking about people. Yes. He was talking about those that would be reconnected with Heavenly Father. Amen. So he was like, don't, don't say that anymore. Understand, it's a now season. So say to your neighbor, it's a now season. It's a now. Say, God wants to move in your heart today. He wants to move in your now season. He wants to move in you now. So say to your neighbor, this now. Now. See, now. faith, the Bible says in, in Hebrews 11, 1, it says faith is a substance of hope, a substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. But it says now faith is. Faith is always now. Yes. So when we hear God, uh, it's something that might happen in 10 years, but now we start working on it. Amen. And this is what most people don't understand. We live in three realms at the same time. We live in the past, present, and in the future. Right? Yes. So the, most people are stuck in the past. They're stuck in their past mistakes, past words that were spoken over them, things uh, that, you know, unfortunately, maybe parents said, brother, sister said, uh, kids in the school said, and we live that, and we respond or react according to our past. Some people have been able to break from their past, and now they have a good, peaceful present. But God's people are supposed to be living in the past, future, and present at the same time. They go to the past and see, wow, look what God delivered me from. And they can testify of their past, but the past no longer has any hold over them. Yes. It no longer brings them down. It no longer binds them. God has delivered them and set them free from the power of darkness. And now they're living in the kingdom of his dear son. But we have to understand the past exists, but God can free you from the past. Yes, you messed up in the past. So my God delivered me, set me free from it. Somebody from your past might come up to you and say, yeah, look at you, man. Woo, man, let me tell you, you were something else. You were a, 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 a lion wonder in your old days, man. Just, uh, that person's dead. I'm a new creation in Christ. Everything is brand new in my life. Right? If that ever happens, it's happened in the past to me where people have come up and tried to remind me of my past. I tell them about my future. Amen. So I, I'm not going right. to stay right. anymore in the past. Right. I'm only going to look at it and say, wow, thank you, Lord. Just, just, just to remind me why I need to praise. It, it just look gives ahead. me joy when I see my past and I see how God delivered me and set me free. Yes, and yes. now I am free to embrace my higher future, my better future in God. Amen? 
And then we also live in the future because God speaks. And when he speaks, he's a prophetic God. And he always gives you a glimpse of your future. That's a good thing. You know why? If you know where you're going, you know how to prepare for it. A person that knows their future, when Jesus came on the earth, he would walk and talk and everything he would do it according to the scriptures. The scriptures delineated his walk. It delineated his future. Then when they would tell him, do you want to come over here? He said, no, I have to fulfill all righteousness. I have to fulfill my heavenly father's uh, uh, will for me on earth. Yeah. So he knew what he needed to do. There was no time for games with him. He knew exactly what he had to do. So here's what we need to do. We need to catch God's glimpse of us, of our future, right? And then walk into that future, look at it, smell the roses, praise God, see ourselves in our future, see how we're dressing in the future, see our promotion in the future, Amen? See how we're talking and preaching and ministering in the future? See how God's grace and favor is upon us in the future? And say, hmm, okay, I see it clearly. Let me go back to my present now. And now that my past isn't binding me anymore, I can finally get to work right. on my future. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So God was saying, listen, there's a harvest already, uh, my children. So get to work on preparing for them. Get to work on preparing for the harvest. So get ready. So the title, like I mentioned to you before, is simply put, step up to the plate. Step up to what God is calling you to do. Because Adam and Eve had no children yet, but God blessed them. He empowered them. Then they got to the work of multiplying. So years later, you had hundreds. Then you had thousands. Then you had tens of thousands. Then you had hundreds of thousands of people. Why? Because Adam and Eve stepped to the plate and did what they had to do. So in your case, God has blessed you. Say to your neighbor, he has blessed you already. See, Ephesians chapter 3, it says God has already blessed us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's already blessed us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm going to say it again. He has already blessed us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we're already blessed. Say to your neighbor, I'm blessed. And I know that I'm blessed. Say to your other neighbor, I know that I know that I know. That I'm blessed. I'm blessed. See, and blessed, uh, to be blessed means that you are empowered to do what God has called you to do. Yes. And certainly by His Spirit, He has already empowered us. Yes. Now He says, now go do what I already called you to do. What I already empowered you to, to do. What I already enforced in the heavenlies for you to be able to accomplish. Praise God. Hallelujah. See, so when I go out, I'm not going by myself. I'm not going because I have a notion about it. No, I know what the Word of God says about my future. I am called and connected to be somebody's helper, to be somebody's yes. mentor, to be somebody's spiritual daddy, as it, as it were, Amen. to be somebody that would help somebody else to connect with Almighty God, with His purposes and plans. Praise God. So that's exciting. I'm already empowered. I'm already blessed. But you say, well, I haven't done anything yet. But that's okay, because Adam and Eve had no children when he said, I bless you. Go and multiply. So they already had the seed in them, and she already had the womb. They just had not understood to work the process at that time. Praise God. You see my point? And right now, we have a spiritual woman. Was the hell? I birthed something this week. I felt like I birthed something this week. Because, man, with all that nonsense, all the paperwork, all the struggles and everything, here I was, I was like, why is nobody helping me? I need some help. It was more like, ay, 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 ay. <laughs> my daughter saw me on the street. I went to get some food because I had to run from there to teach in the college. And then I had to, and meanwhile, back and forth with this insurance thing. And she sees me. And she just shows up and says, hi, Dad. Hi, sweetheart. How are you doing? God bless you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> 
Very rarely do you see me get out of my element. But I admit, I admit, it took me a couple of times out of my element. <laughs> Praise God. So I, I felt, you know, what it was to, to push this thing through. But let me tell you, if we had not pushed this thing through, if we hadn't done our warfare, it was not just a thing of giving. This property did not want to transfer to our hands. There were elements that were trying to stop it right at, it, at its beginning. That was a liar. But what I notice is through our scripture, whenever something's about ready to be birthed, there's always someone trying to murder the baby in the beginning. During Moses' time, somewhere along the line, their prophets understood that a deliverer had been born. Mira qué cosa. They knew it. And they went to each town and killed each firstborn. But since Moses' mother and sister had a strategy and they had the wisdom of God, they built a basket. Amen. And that basket propelled Moses into the next place of his divine protection. You see? So God will give you a strategy in the beginning, but you have to hear God because otherwise what happened to the other families? They lost their firstborn. When they lost their firstborn, they lost that future. Because the children represent our future. They repre represent our legacy. They represented, that one represented the deliverers. It was the seed, the future seed. And Moses, thank God he had parents that were sensing the attack and they protected him in that very pivotal time. Praise God. So during the week, I was thinking about that. I said, man, even before we begin, there's something that's trying to stop this process. But I'm going to do this no matter. I'm going to push this through. And you should have told me, get out of here. Get this guy to get. I need that key. Come on. That's right. That's right. And I was talking to the brokers. I was talking to the bank. Okay, when can we close? When can we close? Come on, come on. Let's go, let's go. Let's go. Chop, 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 chop. I'm serious. I was putting so much pressure on them, and they were gracious. They were gracious, and everybody worked hard to make this happen. And the enemy did not have the success. Right. Praise God. Amen. But you need to understand that happens to each and every one of us. When God's doing a new thing, the enemy will try to come in and try to dissuade you, dissuade you rather. He'll try to um, disenfranchise you, disillusion you. Something will happen, but you need to be sensing it. You need to be discerning. You need to understand, no, oh, you're not going to stop me. I know what God has called me to do, period. And that's what's going to be accomplished in my life. It might create stress, it might create agita, it, it might create, you know, problems, but praise God, you, you, you need to be the overcomer. You need to be the Joshua and the Caleb yes. and not be afraid. Uh, you know, I don't care if they're giants, there'll be food for us. In other words, right. uh, the problem oh, yeah. will give me more energy. See, there's some people that run from, from, from problems. There are people that the minute the problem arises, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have anything to do outside. But those people never inherit their promises. That's right. And then you have the overcomers. The overcomers, they have the problem. Good, a problem. Okay, let's see how we deal with this one. They just love a good fight. And faith is not faith until it's been in a good fight. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm getting like, uh, amen, praise the Lord. But maybe three or four people. Everybody else is going. I came to church to have a good time, and now they tell me I got to fight. They said, I'm blessed, now i got to fight for my blessings. Yes, you do. But greater is he that is in you. So what you don't understand, and what many don't understand, is it's a fixed fight. Already God set up the victory for you. All you got to do is go through the motion. All you got to do is, you know, see, and once the enemy sees you do this, he's gone. Did I do that right? 
I can't do that too much. I'll break my suit. <laughs> praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, give him some praise. And it grieves my heart because many have lost their past seasons of being able to move with God. And every time you move with God, there's a deposit to you. See, God will never allow you to go through a season without you also getting a deposit. In every season, there's a deposit of anointing. There's a a deposit. And I see it this way. It's almost like a greater honor is bestowed upon you. A greater trust factor in the spirit realm is bestowed upon you every time you go through the process and you remain. I got upset. So? It's all right. God knows you. God gets upset too. One time Jesus got so upset, he turned the tables upside down. He took out his belt. He said, bang, aki. That's right. Oh, I went back to the day my mom. When my mom is a chancla. And no matter where I went, no matter what room I tried to hide in, that thing would find me. I am convinced, yeah, I'm convinced they had a guiding mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> right here, right here. Bang! But yeah, the, 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 the correa, the belt, came out. So don't tell me it's, it's not a good thing to get upset. Well, the Bible says this, get upset but don't sin. See, if you get upset and allow your emotions to get the best of you, and you just that, allow the flesh to take over, then yeah, you're going to sin. You're going to say the wrong things. You might get into fights, physical fights. You don't need to do that. But anger is emotion. Joy is emotion. Fear is emotion, right? And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So there are some emotions that are good for you. And in their place, emotions can help you. Emotions can propel you. Haven't you ever been in a place where somebody's picking on you for a while? But just picking on you, picking on you, picking on you. And one day, you know, like, like the blood starts to boil up to the head. And finally you say, no mas. No mas. Today this stops. And then the bully comes up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Says, you step one more, I'm going to punch you in the nose. Go ahead, go ahead. I dare you. They go, huh? I'm not you. Aren't you like a little, you, you, little wee lamb? I, I've been picking on you and you have that. Now you're going to, oh, okay. I, it's happened with me. And I'm sure it's happened with you. The day you stop, right? Just taking it and you allow the emotion in its proper context, it can be strength to you. Right. So anger can be strength. Right. You can, mm, I'm not going to take this nonsense anymore. I'm going to go for my promotion. Right. I'm not going to take this nonsense anymore. Uh, I'm going to have to work uh, more. I'm pay that credit card off. Whatever it is, uh, emotion can help you in its proper context. Praise God. So we, we have to understand that we're in a season where some other people had defaulted. We're also in a season where God said other people have prayed in years past in this community. Other people have fasted in other times in this community in the past. And God is saying, now they sowed. Now, Calvary, I want you to reap what they sowed. They got their blessing. They got their crowns. But now, Calvary, I want you to also come into what I am doing because it's a transgenerational thing. Because as you do what you're called to do, then future generations will be able to reap. Because you're also, you're not only reaping, but you're also going to be sowing for future generations. You're going to be sowing for some people that might not see you alive 
but they will thank God for you. Wow. 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 And I don't want to be the people that say, that, that, that say out of their mouths, Jeremiah 8.20, the harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. See, there are people that in their time of harvest, they did not receive the harvest. They didn't go out there and labor. See, all harvest is laborious. You have to, you know, chop it down. You have to go to the field. You have to deal with the sun. It's hard. It's hard. But let's remember, growing a church is never about increasing numbers. Growing a church is about emptying hell and filling up heaven. Praise God. A beautiful quote that Mr. Fletcher said years ago, and I agree with him. We've already experienced a very strong shift in, in, in our world today. Strong shifts, economic shifts, philosophical shifts. And make no mistakes about it, it's only going to increase, it's only going to become more intense because we're coming to the consummation of the ages. Jesus said the last days will look something like what we're seeing today. So no, now we know, we can't say um, clearly, oh, in, in May something, you know, the Lord is coming. But Jesus said, when you see these things happening, know that my coming is soon. Yes. He said, when it happens, he didn't say fear. He didn't say get afraid. He didn't say cry. He said, lift up your head because your redemption draws nigh. Praise God. So it's not a thing that we have to worry about. We have to get excited about it. See, because we are just basically foreigners in this land. As Christians, our true kingdom is not here. We are ambassadors here, sent by Almighty God. Now, it gives us the privilege to living in this life, to have children in this life, to work in this life. But our attitude, our, 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 our stance has to be one of an ambassador. So wherever I am, I'm on mission. Wherever I am, I have to be on point. I have to know that I'm God's emissary, I'm God's child, I'm God's co-laborer, in Christ, praise God. So I always have to have my, my antennas attuned because God might want to speak something through me to a person. He might want me to do something to benefit somebody else. And certainly as a church family, we are now called. Let me put it to, the, let me put it to you this way. Do not think that we got this per chance, this property. Do not think that. Do not even venture to think that it's just, oh yeah, you know, we, were, we got lucky. This is not luck. I know now what I didn't know before. Because some people have spoken to me about that property. There was another person looking at that property. There was another person that put a bid on that property before we did. I thought we were the first ones. Not the case. It did not work out for them. Because it was appointed for us. And then before, or rather the same day it came on the market, we got information about the property. So I ran in before anybody else could and I put in my application after consulting with you guys. I don't know if you remember that. Yes. Right? Yes. But who was the one that shared the information with us? See? All of us here knew we needed a place. And Sister Jeanette, as part of us, she also knew. And guess what? She runs into one of her buddies at Brooklyn Tabernacle who, by the way, per chance, happens to live in this community. And number two, she just happens to be a broker. And, and they meet in Brooklyn. And they discuss casually and some, somehow or another, this just comes up. And number three, watch this. 
She just happens to have landed the contract. Oh. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank God. Hallelujah. How do all these things come together? God ordains. God ordains your steps, people. And as a church, you know, your victory is my victory. When we're working together, there's nothing we can't do. Because God is in the body. I don't have all the answers. You don't have the, uh, all the answers. But together, we're Christ's body. We have the answer contained. The miracle is in the house. Praise God. Amen. So we need to be sensitive because as we're hearing God, as God ministers to us, some people have a, a philosophy, and I'm not going to argue the philosophy, but I, I have a different one. And that is, some people believe that God speaks to the man of God. And by that, they mean that God speaks to the pastor. I believe God speaks to the body. Yes, God will give me general direction, general vision as to what's happening, my wife, our fellow leaders. But sometimes God will choose to speak to one of you. And then when we come together, whoa, God spoke to me too. We put two and three together. Whoa, praise God. Because the wisdom is a corporate. Christ in his earthly ministry had all the wisdom. He had all the power. He doesn't give us the same level that he had. He gives the body that yes. level. See, and as we work together, then we function as Christ on earth. Because yes. we're his representatives now. We're the body of Christ here on earth. But the head is seated at the right hand of the Father. So the wisdom of God flows through the body. See, But when we work in mutual submission and mutual authority, then God can move. When, when you have just one pastor or one or two that think they know all, that God only speaks to them, that's very dangerous ground. And I believe because we have been humble, we've been seeking God together, we've been uh, respective, uh, re respecting each other's anointings and giftings here, God has been moving step by step, and He's taken us to this next level. So several things we need to consider in the coming days. I wanted to share this with you. In this season, allow God to break you in a voluntary way. Don't force Him to break you. In other words, there are some preconceived notions you have, things that you think are God, but they're not God. You think they are, but they're wrong. Um, earlier on, one of our young leaders came up and talked about, you know, she, she puts this on, put that on. Years ago, she would have never, if I was pastor, she would have never been here. I don't know anybody with, with somebody that's something in their face. I'm not going to allow that, right? Well, God, I see, I see. Listen, I come from a very strict church when I first came to the Lord 38 years ago. Really strict. Women couldn't cut their bangs. Otherwise, six months discipline right there. I'm serious. If, forget about it. They cut their hair short like, like Deacon Vera. Deacon Vera, that's it. That's two years discipline. You forever. No parole on you. <laughs> wow, man. I couldn't wear this. And I just took it for granted. They knew that we're talking about it. And, and I just flowed the same way. Until I started reading scripture. And I realized that culturally, churches many times adopt philosophies that they might be good philosophies, but they're not the Bible. So I can say this church likes to flow this way. But I can't say if you don't do it our way, you know, you're lost. God's not going to accept you as a child. That's wrong. And that's unfortunately what many churches have done in times past. But today, God is raising up a youth. Yes, yes. 
that don't look like we looked 30 years ago. And his power is upon them. How dare we say, well, I just don't like the way she looks or the way he looks. So if it's not my way, it can't be God. Hello, excuse me. Excuse me. I came from a church. Women could not wear pants. And don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, we have to be moderated in, in our culture. But in the Old Testament, the Bible never said you can't wear pants. And yet some churches preached that. But God says you can't wear pants. Where? Deuteronomy 22.8, Deuteronomy 22.11. Okay. I went to it. It says, man shall not wear woman's clothing. Woman shall not wear man's clothing. Where are the pants there? Well, women wear dresses and men wear pants. Okay. How do you explain the Scottish Christians? Well, it's not a dress, it's a kilt. I can't tell the difference, honestly. You're not going to catch me wearing one of those. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, they got their bagpipes, you see him. You know, and, and I look at us, that's their culture. It looks very handsome on him. I'm not wearing that. It's not my culture. You, you understand? But I respect their culture. But Christians dress that way. Um, you go to several cultures in, in Central South America and Africa. You got Christians there that don't have clothing. They're very, you know, minimal clothing, including the ladies. And yet they're worshiping God. You may, you, you, we'll come in there if we have this bias from New York or from our... We'll come in and say, Mira, Señor, reprende al diablo! <laughs> Lord, rebuke Satan! No, 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 no. That's their culture, man. You better shut up, worship God with them, and just close your eyes. Uh, you know, we have to allow God to, to allow us to flow in today. You know, laws of the land are changing. Sin in, in, in Scripture, there are sins that are acceptable here in the United States. And not only acceptable, they're law. So how is a Christian going to come off as a God-loving person, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, sharing about sin, and at the same time, Preach it in such a way where the person can get it. Mm-hmm. Or even if they get upset, but at least be respectful about it. How are we going to do that? Do you know smoking is a sin against your own body? Yes. It's a sin against your own body. But yet, well, people all over there, everybody's, you know, chimneys, human chimneys all over the place. That's right. And I see a person smoking, I say, how oh, you doing? How's everything? Just won't blow that thing in my face, okay? Right? Because, you know, I, I want my space too. Give me my space. Don't blow that thing in my space. Right? <laughs> now, what are they doing? The law has no problem with them smoking. The law has no problem with Monsanto, with, with uh, all these other companies selling the stuff that are going to kill us. And people do it. No problem. But is it hurting them? Absolutely. The government has enough common sense now that they're putting commercials on TV that are very graphic. I don't know if you've seen some of them. My God, my heart breaks for these people. But I'm sure somebody told them, you should stop that. That's a bad habit, right? You know what sin means in its original language? Missing the mark. You're a sinner, man. You're going to split hell wide open. 
We, we, we got the sin thing where we got these preachers, sin, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the movies. Anytime you talk about sin, there's a crazy guy standing in a street corner with a big sign, you're going to hell, you know. And, and you look at the guy, that's not me, I'm sorry. Really, they, they, they're always crazy. Some raisin flake and nut out there. Think about it. But reality, sin is missing the mark. You were created in a certain way. God created you. God created you to be able actually to breathe, even in difficult atmospheres like we have in the cities. Inside our lungs, we have little hairs that actually cleanse the air so, as the, so the oxygen could reach the places it needs to reach. But when we force upon it smoke that has nicotine, different types of carcinogens, it overwhelms the little hairs in our lungs thus forcing the potential of cancer and other illnesses, asthmas and all other, other things. But we do that voluntarily. Why do we do that? Porque me da la gana, because I feel like it, right? Isn't it true? I like to. Oh, yeah, I get nervous. I got to smoke. No, you don't. You don't have to smoke. Yet. Just get over the nervousness. Deal with it another way. Pray, yeah, ask God. He'll, get, he'll help you. It's not an easy habit to break, but you can break it. But ultimately, who's the one that suffers? I just found out. Um, a guy I work with, young man, but for many years, he's been hooked on cocaine. But he's functional. He works, sells properties. You know, he just, he's, he's all the time functional. Last couple of weeks. <gasps> oh, man, Victor. Ooh, I can hardly breathe. Dude, why are you still smoking? Oh, I mean, <laughs> Sounds funny, but it's so sad. He just died on Friday. He just found out. Next week, I'm going to be at his funeral. Next time I see him, I'm going to have to see him in a casket. My man could, could have lived to 80 if he wanted to. Two beautiful daughters lost it. Sin. Sin is missing the mark. Anything that takes you out of the God-ordained way that you were created is sin because it misses the mark of how he created us to flow. The chair. If you use this to change a light bulb, you, it might work, but the chair was not created as a ladder. So the chair won't do a good job like a ladder does. You might fall and hurt yourself. And if you fall, I'm going to say, hate to say I told you so, but it was not the function of the chair in the beginning or to begin with, right? So we can't ask the chair. We got to ask the creator of the chair. What is this for? He'll tell you to sit. Oh, can I change a bulb? I, uh, you shouldn't do that. It might, you, you might fall, right? So we, the created ones, do we have the right to tell God what we want to do or how we could use our bodies? Or We should ask our creator and our creator will tell us. I'm not trying to keep you away from having fun, having a good time, enjoying a life. I'm trying to share with you that if you get into this, you're going to get yourself into trouble. You're going to shorten your life. You're going to lose your purpose. You're going to miss out on what I'm doing. See, so God's people have got to learn God's word so that when we minister to people in the coming days and months because of their philosophies, the laws of the land are changing. We have to share the wisdom of God with them in a spirit of love, in a spirit of peace. You see, you can't come up to people, you better stop that, or God's going to punish you. 
They're going to say, irrelevant. You have to come with people with the love of God. Because that's how Jesus came. He came to the adulterous woman. He didn't say, why you do that? Stone her. No, he said, um, first one of you that have no sin, throw the first stone. Then he went up to her and lovingly picked her up and says, just go and do it no more. He went to another one that had had five husbands that was living with somebody and ought for her life, the water of life. He did not condemn her, but we're the ones that do the condemning. Well, in the coming days, as we hear God, as we allow God's Spirit to flow through us, we're going to start changing. See, the world sees us as bigots. When I say us, I mean the churches, Christianity in general. That has to shift. Something went wrong in the last, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 years. We've got to get back to this love of God, this grace of God. Yes, you have to share with people what you're missing the mark in, but go back to Scripture and go back to the context of the Bible, which is love. The context of Scripture is not hate, it's love. Praise God. So we're going to need a voluntary willingness to get on the altar and say, God cut me. Remember when, when Abram brought his son? When he put his son on the altar, it does not say in Scripture that the kid fought the father. He laid on that altar and then he, you know, prepared him, and he was ready to sacrifice his son. And then God said, don't do it. I was just testing your heart. Remember that? Yes. So we have to get on the altar. So God, change me. Deal with my attitudes. Deal with my biases. Deal with things that my parents taught me, Lord, that don't belong to this season. Maybe they were good in the past season, but in this season, no more. In the Old Testament, uh, Israel sinned, missed the mark. And fiery serpents came on the scene and they would bite the Israelites and it would, it would hurt them deeply. Fiery serpents. So God said, build for me a serpent, a bronze statue in the desert. And if they get bitten, they get poisoned, they are to look at the bronze serpent and I will heal them. The weirdest thing in the world. But we learn later on as we study typology, as we study the scriptures, that was a type of Christ. Because God was going to be raised up, Jesus was going to be raised up in the desert and become sin for humanity, right? But it's the weirdest thing in the world. God said, build a large statue and look to it and you will be saved. 400 years later, God tells the prophet, 400 years later, tear that down. Because they were worshiping the statue. It was never meant to worship. And here's what happens. We develop our own pet religion, our own pet belief systems, and we worship that. And when somebody comes in and God starts working, and they don't look like us or they don't act like us and they don't worship just like us, and their music maybe isn't just like whatever it may be, we go, no, it can't be that way. We're worshiping the system instead of worshiping the creator. It worked in the past season, but today God's doing something different. His, his principles never change, but, you know, songs will change. The way churches look will change. The way kids dress will change. Just as long as we have the modesty factor in that, it's all right. And at the same time, we can mentor them. But if they come in and they have this or that, we go, you can't be in this church like that. You know what they're going to do? They're going to step right out. And you will have lost an opportunity to mentor probably the next Billy Graham or probably the next Amy uh, Temple McPherson or something like that. Yes. No, no, no. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Voluntary. Say with me, voluntary. voluntary. 
Praise God. Next thing we got to take care of is take responsibility for what God calls you to do. Say to your neighbor, take responsibility for what God calls you to do. Not everybody is called to be a senior pastor. Not everybody is called to open up a business. Not everybody is called to be a deacon. Not everybody's called to sing in the front. But God called you for something. So I'm not trying to be you. So stop trying to be somebody else. God's calling you to be uniquely you. You have an anointing. You have a gifting. And when you flow in that, the anointing will flow mightily through you and you will be amazing. If you try to imitate somebody else, I want to be that one. I, I want to I be like the singer. No, I want to be like the preacher. You're going to get yourself in trouble. You can't flow in another man's armor. Remember when David went to fight Goliath? What did they do? Saul tried to put his armor on David. And David said, ching, 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 ching. Uh-uh, I'm taking this off. I have a way I'm going to fight this giant. It's not going to be your way. Let me fight it my way. He went over there. He put some stones inside the sling. He said, come on, giant. You come at me with all that stuff. I come at you in the name of the Lord. Today I'm going to have your head and the, and the nations of the earth are going to know there's a God in Israel. Come on, come on, come on. Woo! And I love it because Saul didn't want to fight the giant with his own armor. But yet he tried to put his armor... And there's some people out there that are criticizing those that are doing it. I don't like the way he dresses. I don't like the way they do this. But they won't do a thing. They won't lift up their hands. Number me with the doers, not with the criticizers. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I, I know that, you know, the young generation that is coming in now, they've got a fire, a passion, and an energy that I might not have right now. But I have some to give them. I have wisdom to give them. I can help them. I can mentor them. But I'm not going to be jumping like they're going to be jumping. They might be here twirling all over the place. I'll do this. But that's all right. You see, uh, uh, that's me being excited. <laughs> but I'm not going to stop them if they want to dance like David danced. Praise God. You dance like David now. Go ahead. You go. You do it. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So we, we also have to take responsibility. So step up to the plate. What happens when a batter steps up to the plate? The other day, I think it was the Mets. Ninth inning. Bases loaded. They got a guy to step on the plate. Step up to the plate. In his head, I'm sure he's thinking, man, I better get these guys home. We, we need a run or two. We're behind. This is the bottom of the ninth inning. Have nothing else to do. So he stepped up to the plate. In his head, he's thinking, man, I got I to gotta get that right pitch. I got to get at least a single. So he goes up there. That ball comes in. He swings with all his might. Ding! He hits it. He gets a home run with the bases loaded. You know what that's called? A grand slam. Praise God. Well, God's calling some of you to step up to the plate. Guess what? The bases are loaded, and it's your turn to give a grand slam for your team. Hallelujah. Amen. I would talk about football season, but it's not in right now. <laughs> it's, it's basketball right now. Unfortunately, the, the Nets didn't do too well yesterday. So I, I don't got a good experience there on that one. So I'll wait till I win, and I'll share with you a little something about that. So God's bringing us to the place. I'm starting to land this thing. He's bringing us to a place of personal change. And also the way we address each other and also the way we work with each other. We respect our supervisors in our job and yet we can hate them. But we respect them because if we don't listen to them, they'll fire us. 
I got an oh yeah. I got at least three mal malokios. I got about three people give, give me the evil eye right now. At least three. I saw three. Or maybe four. But it's true. We'll obey them. We can hate them, but we'll obey them. They're like, go, go, go and do that. Go. Yeah, I'll do it. But you'll do it. But yet in the kingdom of God, for the sake of souls, we work. It's okay, let's do this. Ah, oh, yeah, Pastor. Amen. Glory to God. You go home, you don't do anything. It's not good. We need to give greater honor to God than our earthly supervisors. And the thing is, God won't twist your arm and you won't do it and then you will feel off somehow. But you are off. In a sense, we're sinning because we're disobeying God of doing what we can. That's all right. The church will take care of it. Pastor will take care of it. Elders will take care of it. Deacons will take care of it. The ministers, they'll take care of it. No, no, but what about you? This is not a cruise liner. A cruise liner has about maybe, I would say, 100, 200 employees, maybe 300 employees. But it has around 4,000 people on, in the ship. So about 200 people do all the work, and about 4,000 people are having fun, sipping margaritas. Somebody said, oh, I'd like to be there right now. <laughs> we are a battleship. A battleship, all hands on deck. Everybody has a title, a responsibility. Everybody has an assignment to do. And God loves you enough to say, come with me, work with me. Let me put my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. So you can walk with it. And Jesus is carrying the big load. And you as the younger bull next to him, you're, you're, you're pacing with him. But you're not feeling the majority of the pull. Because he's carrying the big load. You're carrying the small load. If you have a very big load now, you're not carrying Jesus' yoke. You're carrying a yoke that doesn't belong to you. Praise God. So I just want to do what I'm called to be. Called to do and called to be. So God is changing our heart, our mind, our actions, and our strategy in this day. Praise God. So I'm going to say something, and as soon as I say it, I don't want anybody saying amen. In closing. I'm watching, I'm watching you. <laughs> yeah, I know you guys. You guys start getting excited. The, the moment I say in closing, that's when everybody starts praising God. <laughs> the Bible says amen. Thank you. Thank you for that word of encouragement. I'm very encouraged today. But you see, that's, that's a disadvantage of being in a church that you're renting. We have to leave. I, I heard the other day there was such a move of God here in this place. And, and yet, the, the, I think Elder Jose had to stop it cold. Why? Because there's another service coming right after this one. Once we're in our place, I might be able to do those long closings. <laughs> no, that's all right. I'm all right. So in conclusion, in Revelation 22... Last verse in 12, it says, Behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those that wash their robes, that they might have the right to the tree of life, and may go through the gates in the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, 
Send my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root, the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Elohim says, come. Wherever, whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take of the free gift of the water of life. So you notice, he's coming with his reward. Yes. Those that are connected with him, those that love him, those that manifest the love of God here on earth, in our now, get to enjoy in that benefit. And in our lifetime, he says, whatever you lose here in this life, whatever you invest in this life, you'll get it back a hundredfold. Yes. And then he says, and in the next life, eternal life. So not only does he want to bless you in the eternal life, he wants to bless you now. He yes. wants His anointing and grace to flow through you now. Amen. And the blessing and the empowerment He gives you will also include the ability to take care of your family, to be able to help those in your warm circle, so to speak. So I thank God for that because He's a good God. And He shares His wealth with us. And by that I mean, I'm not talking about cars and stuff like that. That to Him is a very small thing. Yes, talking about His love, yes. His peace, yes. His anointing. Yes. The wisdom of God to heal things around you. Yes. Praise God. The strength to go through difficult times. Because many times we have to go through difficult times. And he'll give us strength to go through that difficult time. We'll go through the valley of shadow and death. But we fear no evil because God is with us. Amen. And my cup overflows. Why? Because he's with me.